0: Welcome to the Six Hats Podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats Podcast, and I'm so excited to have Dr. Fabienne Chevalier, She is a therapist, coach, educator, and researcher into language, the mind, and behavior of a mother. And the special focus is on anxiety, depression, trauma, emotional blocks, and she brings together therapy, coaching, and research in linguistics, sociology, and psychology in her practice. And this is what you'll all love, listeners. She helps career-driven mothers who feel like they've lost themselves since they became mothers and who feel unfulfilled undervalued, and invisible to navigate motherhood and career on their own terms so they can reconnect with themselves and feel happy, valued, fulfilled as mothers and working women. And I know, Fabienne, welcome. You will relate to so many of my listeners. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk about this fascinating topic. Absolutely. So I'm really curious. I see many women in my clinic who've been very successful in their careers for years and then decide to have a family. And this is your special interest. So love to know, is this change hard? What challenges do you see?
1: So in the women I see in my practice, many women have dedicated themselves to their careers. They've been very successful. They've worked very hard. They decide to have a child. And what they often say to me is they feel that they've lost themselves. They don't recognize themselves. and. They're summarized by saying, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel valued. I feel invisible. And of course, this carries a trauma and a stigma with it. And some women said to me, I love my children, but I hate motherhood. Wow. Wow. And there's a big stigma to that because women, when they come to see me, they usually are in survival mode. They're very stressed. They're overwhelmed. They're anxious. They wear so many hats as per the title of your podcast. Yeah, there's there's been so many plates and they they're basically depleted, they're stressed, they're anxious, and they feel that they've lost control by the time they come to see me. So what they struggle with really is the identity shift that comes with motherhood. But it's an identity shift that we rarely hear about. And it's one that women are not prepared for. So if I can give you the example of a a client of mine, let's call Helen. Helen, prior to motherhood, was a senior uh, in a senior role in the corporate world. And when she came to see me, she was nearly a year into her maternity leave. She was planning her return. Already, she was seeing that as a failure because she decided prior to motherhood she would only take three months off but the identity shift was so big she felt completely lost and so by the time she came to see me she said something that really encapsulates the issues that i see she said to me what kind of mother feels sadness and grief after having a baby wow and so i turned it back to her and i said well tell me what kind of mother feels sadness and grief after having a baby and she said to me a bad mother mm. it became very clear that she had in her mind a picture of what a good mother is And so when I asked her what a good mother is, she said, oh, it's somebody who, for whom motherhood is blissful. It's bliss. It's happiness. She enjoys every moment. She wants to be with a baby all the time. She's satisfied. She's fulfilled by it. And it's not me. And so she felt that she was failing. She felt that there was something wrong with her. And when she raised it with her husband, he said to her, oh, you must be depressed. Go and get some pills. And this is a, a response that I hear very often because women don't understand that the identity shift when we become mothers, there's a split, an inner split between who we were prior to motherhood with our pre-baby goals and dreams and identities.
0: Yes, an endless list. <laughs>
1: That's right. And all the things we assume that we're going to do. And then there's the new part of us, the mother. But we brought up with this idea that the mother should be all consuming, all encompassing, and then it should be everything to you. And so there's a split there. And women often say to me, there's a gap between the expectations of motherhood and their reality. They feel caught between who they thought they were prior to motherhood and who they think they should be now that they're mothers. Now the should is very important because then we get into where does this image of the good mother comes from?
0: I was literally about to ask that question about where do our expectations come from? Because I can see so many reasons from, you know, movies and TV and perhaps when we were younger. So that was like, you know, 30, 40 years ago and what motherhood was like. And now the society is so different, but we've got the extra pressure of social media So I'd love to know where are our expectations coming from? Before
1: I can answer that, if you can just say that the identity shift we're talking about is part of a bigger process and motherhood leaves nothing unchanged in the woman's life. We often expect that it will have an impact on our hormones because we hear about in our bodies, but nothing else much. And in reality, there are social and cultural changes. There are economic changes. There are psychological, emotional changes that are a significant impact. So the way that we learn about being a mother is through absorbing and observing our parents when we're children, the way we navigate the world, basically. We observe how our mothers behave, how our fathers behave, people around us, as you said, movies, the media, advertising. And the image we pick up is what it's like to be a good mother. And the good mother, the myth that we sold is the good mother is selfless. She sacrifices herself, her needs, her desires, her goals to her children. So we it's very much an idea where love is sacrifice, is selflessness. So if you're a career woman who's wanted something more, who's been used to developing something, building something, contributing to society and the world, that's quite difficult to manage. The image we have also is one where the mother is feeling blissed happy all the time. She puts a smile on it all the time. She's fully engaged with her baby. She's calm and nurturing. She's untroubled by screaming babies and troublesome toddlers. She's just constantly happy. Nothing fazes her. So she's calm. She's nurturing. Everything is bliss. But the key thing is we learn that to be a good mother means to be completely fulfilled and satisfied Mm -hmm. by motherhood. And we learn this very early on from observing people around us from our childhood experiences. This is the way we navigate the world. We observe what's going on and then we learn. And because we do this when we're young children, we're not cognitively and emotionally mature enough to make sense of what's going on. We just observe Mm -hmm. something and think this is the way it should be. So if you've been brought up in an environment where mum was doing everything, mum was looking after the children at all costs, looking after the household, daddy was coming home and having dinner on the table very often. So many of my clients said "But this is what motherhood was like. This is what my mom did to, for us. She was there all the time, mm. everything. And so subconsciously we acquire that model.
0: It makes sense. makes sense.
1: And it, it's one where what women don't realize is that when we become mothers, we enter a social role. And this myth of the perfect mother that I was just talking about, what comes with it is this idea that motherhood should be easy and natural and it should be instinctive. Yet what a lot of women don't realize is that becoming a mother is a social role. So it comes with expectations and rules and judgments and pressures and a lot of shoulds about we should be do this, you should do that. and And we judge ourselves subconsciously and others by all of those standards. The problem is that it sets up such an unrealistic standard of perfection that we're bound to fail anyway. So it comes from our bringing basically from the way that we are socializing to human beings and so when you are a career mother it's no wonder when you've de- dedicated yourself to your career for so long you've been uh, in control for so long you like my client helen she built her professional identity around being efficient being proficient mm-hmm. being getting things done and she said to me i can manage a board of director why can't i handle
0: a toddler you know control Isn't it the element of actually raising children? (laughs) You don't have control over another human being of what's going to happen. It's so true. But I'm really curious, Fabienne, like is this struggle common to all mothers or does it impact career women in a particular way? And if so, like how?
1: Okay. so. We see it in all mothers because we now know that mothers go through a process called matrescence, which is a deep and all-encompassing transformation of who they are. And as I said, it has social and cultural and economic and psychological, emotional, physical impacts. So we can see it in, in women. And in the olden days, we would have learned the wisdom of becoming a mother through are other elders. But the structure of modern society makes it difficult. We're disconnected career women. They often have moved away from their social networks. They might have moved to a different city. They work such long hours. The only network they have is people who work equally long hours with them. So already, very many women who come to see me, they've never been exposed to children and they have no support around them. So they're isolated. But many of us, what we don't expect at career mothers is the social impact. So, for example, we don't expect our relationships to change. And yet it's been reported that even in the most progressive of relationships, the couples return to a very 1950s division of labour, where the woman becomes responsible for childcare duties and household duties. And it's been shown globally through a recent study that up to 75% of unpaid Uh, child care and household labor devolves back to the mother up to 37 hours per week compared to about six hours for men. So 37 hours is already a working week. But for mothers, what there is for career women, we grew up with this idea post-1960s feminism. You can be everything you want to be. You can have it all. You can choose whatever. You can be anything, but women seem to have interpreted this as you have to do everything.
0: Mm, So right. Like say yes to a lot of things. And Mm. you're right. I think you've nailed it on that. You have to do everything, but you can't do everything perfectly.
1: That's right. Well, you can only have everything at the sacrifice of your health, your physical health, your mental health, your well-being, your dreams, your desires, your career, your family. Because when you try to do everything, by definition, physical and emotional resources will be depleted. And so at that point, we're not operating in the best possible manner. And so things like guilt and anger come up. But for women, this idea that I've had lots of ladies said to me, I was really brought up with this idea. I could be anything I wanted to be. And I realized I couldn't because my career was a devotion. I devoted myself to my career. It wants everything. But my baby wants everything. My child wants everything. And so there isn't enough of me to go around. And so they feel depleted until and what tends to happen. One of the key consequences is women internalize this struggle. Mm -hmm. They think I'm at fault. I'm not keeping up. I'm the one who's in the wrong. There's something wrong with me. I'm broken somehow. And so the dichotomy is either they speak up and they're told either they're their bad mothers. Because, you know, what kind of mother feels sadness and grief after having a baby? And most people will say, well, a bad mum, but actually it's a normal mom who doesn't understand that she's going through an all-encompassing transformation that is quite normal. So there is this idea that women are failing. They think that they're failing. What they're doing is they're internalizing the struggle. So they're not speaking up. Many of my clients said to me, when they speak up, they're told either they're depressed or they're told that they're bad mums. So they are two extremes. And so women tend to silence themselves. They don't speak up. And there comes a point where if you don't speak up about your struggle, then emotions will come up and then you find yourself in that survival mode and then you have to do something. So it really has quite a strong impact on, on mental health for, for a lot of women because they really beat themselves up with this idea that I'm not keeping up, I'm the one in the wrong, when actually the system is not designed. When people go back to work, they realize that the workplace isn't set up for that. It's called a maternal wall. It's all the consequences and obstacles That women Mm. mothers will face when they return to work because the workplace isn't set up for the career, for for the demands of motherhood. So, women are very much expected to work as if they don't have children and to mother as if they don't work. Wow. Which are full time occupations.
0: So true. And there's something I want to add on to exactly what you said that, you know, being in that fight or flight, that chronic stress response. And this is exactly what I see after many years of being in that response. And literally how it can not only affect mental health, but thyroid health, gut health, female hormone health, skin health, and it's just a magnitude. And hence, this is the passion that drove me to start this podcast, to create that awareness mm. of the impact of stress on the body. But also let's talk about solutions. Let's talk about how we can address these solutions. So this is awesome, Fabian. I'm loving this conversation. You also mentioned previously that women say they feel stuck. Now, love to explore this. What does it mean? And, you know, you've touched on that mental emotional health, but that feeling of being stuck.
1: So when women come to see me, they feel usually so overwhelmed. The way they encapsulate it is they say, I'm stuck. I'm out of control. I've lost control of my mind, my emotions. I'm stuck. I keep repeating the same patterns. I'm in the same situation again and again. I don't know why. And I think there's something wrong with me. So for example, they, might, they come to me for two main reasons. Either there's a A behavioral problem or an emotional problem that they want to get rid of so the behavioral problem might be maybe they yell at their children and they don't seem to be able to stop they promise themselves that they're going to stop and then somehow It happens again. There's a tantrum. The children play up and then they they snap again. Or they feel that they might need a glass of wine to calm their anxiety down. Or whenever they feel stressed or anxious, they turn to maybe a cupcake and they can't stop eating, for example, or they can't stop having arguments with their partner. So that's the behavioral aspect. Or they have an emotional issue that is hindering them. Many of them say to me, I feel so anxious. It just consumes me and I don't know what to do or they feel so guilty, or they feel so angry. And really what's happening is that in the same way that we've been conditioned, socially conditioned, to learn what is a good mother, in inverted comma, the myth of the perfect mother, the way that we learn as children is we learn how to respond in particular ways in certain situations. That's quite normal. That's what we do. So When women are stuck, what we're seeing is simply conditioned patterns of thinking, feeling and behaviours that just show up. So if I can give you the example of a client, uh, let's call her Kate. Kate came to see me and she said she's constantly having arguments with her husband. So they have a nearly one-year-old child and the arguments were mostly in the evenings when she felt that the husband wasn't supporting her in maintaining the routine for the baby. And they'd have arguments and then she'd withdraw from the argument. Kate was going to the shower each time there was an argument as a place to hide, to cry in secret. And she said to me, that's not normal. There's something wrong with me. Why can't I do that? She also felt really unsupported uh, by her husband who he was saying to her, well, I work all day. When I come home, you know, I don't want to be following a strict routine. I want to have a play with our child and I just want to rest and relax. But really what was happening with Kate is that she'd been brought up in an environment where she was told that as a girl be quiet don't be so emotional and so she learned that expressing your emotions is bad people don't like you somehow there are consequences to expressing your emotions so she developed that pattern where whenever she felt strong emotions she would go away and and express them to herself in hiding and so that became the shower for her because, of course, she couldn't leave the house the baby was around. But that's the pattern she was repeating from childhood, that basically she's learned that expressing emotion is not safe. And so she would go away. But what that meant is that there was never any resolution in the in the marriage about what to do about this. So when she realized, actually, and she used to say to me, I feel like a little child every time I do this, the way he talks to me, you know, and she, it's like being told off by her dad all over again. And so that's what I mean by those patterns is we learn them through observing the way our parents are with us. We make decisions about the world ourselves and other people, and then we act and respond in those particular ways. So if you've been used to or been raised in an environment where anxiety was the primary thing, you respond in an anxious way, then you will learn to respond in an anxious way. And so that's what women, I said to women, when you feel stuck, it's Just a pattern that's been repeated over and over again. It's like when you started to drive, you had to think of every movement. But before you knew it very quickly after practicing, it became automatic. And that when women are stuck, all we're talking about are patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving that are just repeated over and over again until they're so second nature, they become automatic and ingrained. So understanding what they are is important because then we can undo them because it's just to learn the pattern.
0: This is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I'd love to even touch about mum's guilt. We often hear about the guilt they feel and even anger. So I'd love for you to sort of explore those areas.
1: So mum guilt is one of the key emotions that women have. They often beat themselves up with it. And when you have guilt, it's a way of saying that you feel you've done something wrong, you should have done better. Now, I want to start by saying that emotions are part of being a human being. We all have emotions, and emotions are neutral. There is no bad emotions. And I know that there is, in some sector, a tendency to talk about negative emotions. But all emotions are neutral. They all try to communicate a message. However, some emotions have been socially conditioned in a gendered way. Anger is one of them. It's acceptable for men to be angry. They're driven, they they get what they want. A woman, especially a mother, is an outlier. She's a bad mum. She's pushy. She's painted as bad because in the midst of the perfect mom, anger doesn't feature. And some women are made to feel bad for feeling anger when actually it's a natural emotion. And when we look at anger, anger is basically what's behind it is a sense of injustice. And so it can lead to resentment. But if you've been a career woman who's dedicated herself to your career, you've worked really hard, and suddenly you're having to sacrifice that because you realize you can't keep. meeting all the demands of your job or you're responsible for childcare and household duties and you're so depleted and for some reason it's not working, you might have to take a demotion, which a lot of the career women I see do, or leave your career altogether. And it's no surprise that a lot of women end up working for themselves after motherhood because they can't sustain the unrealistic demands. But they see it very much as, it's my fault, I should be able to keep up. And so they get angry, when actually the sense of injustice is very justified. It's the way that you express it that then becomes an issue, because if you've learned to suppress your emotions, like a lot of young girls have been taught to do, then it's a little bit like lava. It'll simmer underneath until something Mm. happens, and then suddenly the volcano explodes. But the volcano explodes not because mum are overwhelmed and they're bad mothers, but because of all these unrealistic expectations we were talking about. That puts them under such pressure and are so unattainable that there's nowhere for them to go. So maternal rage is a real thing. I see it often. Most women say to me, I would never admit that I yell at my children. And they focus on the yelling and they don't understand that behind it is actually all of this system of social expectations and pressures and judgments that they hold themselves up to, that very often they're not even aware of doing that. And so when you lift the lid on all of that, you realize actually, well, why should I sacrifice my career when my husband is unexpected to mm-hmm. do that? I'm a father? And so it leads to resentment. But when you provide women with a language for talking about these things, when you explain what's going on, they think, okay, that's not my fault. There's a reason for that. And so I can learn to find my way through that.
0: Which leads me on to my next question, like how can we help working mothers navigate this shift and actually get unstuck?
1: Where that I work, I was with with women one-on-one and, and in group as well. And the group format is very powerful because it shows women that they're not alone, that they're The struggles that they have are so common, but they're kept hidden. And so being able to make them visible is very important. So I always start with the premise that there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You don't need fixing. What you need to do is understand what's going on. So we need to make the invisible visible because you can't change what you don't see. So all of this social conditioning, these beliefs about what a perfect mother should be, how we should behave, how we should feel, what it should be like, that needs to be made visible. So women are able to realize how that materializes in their world, how that shows up in their life. And many of them go, wow, This is what my mom used to do with me. They don't realize that. But if we don't understand that, we just pass it down to our children. And so we teach our children to suppress their emotion, our girls to then repeat the same pattern again and again, to sacrifice themselves. And usually when I say that to women, it's kind of, there's a click there because they go, I don't want my daughter to go through this. So they realise that they've got to make visible what's invisible to them, all of these beliefs and all of these social conditioning that they've taken on. The second part is making the subconscious conscious, so all of these patterns, because mental health doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens within the context of a a society, what's expected of its members. And very often there is within psychology this tendency to say to people, change your thinking, you will change your life. But actually, you can't change on your own. Your thinking will not change the fact that the workplace isn't set up for motherhood, the fact that you're still expected to be a mother and you're still expected to be completely fulfilled by it because that's the social expectation. So it really is about making the subconscious visible how that pans out in your life what your particular patterns of anxiety of anger of behavior are specifically because those are learned and therefore once we know what they are we can undo them and we can put something else healthier in place and once we've done that what that allows us to do is really to show women what is really blocking them because women come to me and they say i'm the problem and they're not the problem so it allows us making the invisible visible making the subconscious conscious allows us to really show them what's really blocking them and then we can move into connection well who are you really what matters to you what are your values because very often they've taken on values from their own mothers from the generations before from society and many of them have in question actually what do i truly want who am i really deep down and that allows us to actually find a way through for what's acceptable for them what's not what kind of parent they want to be what kind of contribution they want to make in the world what kind of career they want to have And so we kind of navigate that way through this. But women are not broken. They don't need fixing. And I truly believe that. And time and again, I believe that understanding and education is the key because when you become aware of what's going on, then you've taken the first
0: step for change. And that's really, really powerful. Fabian, beautifully said. So inspiring. But before I ask you the final question of where people can find you, I would love to know what happened to Helen, our first case. of of the podcast.
1: Helen then went back to work and found that she was hitting this maternal wall. She had been in a high-powered job. She was working long hours prior to motherhood, and she found that actually she wasn't able to sustain that. She tried for a while, but she found that people were looking at her differently, questioning her commitment, questioning whether she'd be able to be there. She found that projects were no longer put her way. Subconsciously, the boss was no longer passing them on. She wasn't involved. And so she hitting against this maternal wall and she realized, actually, I can't change this by myself. Yes, I can speak up, but it's not going to change the culture. So she tried for a few months and eventually she decided, we looked at her strength, her values, and she decided she could make a similar contribution in a different environment. And she went on to set up her own business where she works around school hours and she has regained some level of control. And now she works around her values and what matters to her. so she's got much clearer boundaries. But she's also very clear in starting educating women around her about this matrescence and this changes the identity shift and this myth of the perfect mother and the successful career woman. Because she doesn't want people, especially any children she may have, any girl she may have herself to actually live that and understanding that and what that's given her is a network which she didn't have because wow. she had no immediate family around her to support her so she's kind of spreading the world working you know in business helping women as well
0: amazing amazing so Fabienne amazing work wow we could we need to bring you back and we need to talk more about it but in the meantime where can women find you if they want to find out more and and for help as well
1: so women can find you on my website, au or they can go on my LinkedIn profile and then see a link tree link where they get all of my information. There's a blog there. And I also have on my website a guide explaining more about the myth of the perfect mother and why you feel you're failing and why it's not your fault. So they can go on that website and get that. And then I'm in a process of creating some masterclasses on maternal anger and identity shifts so you can really understand that.
0: That's amazing. Amazing.
1: Thank you. Their interest on the website.
0: Yeah, I'll put all those links on our show notes. So definitely. Fabian, I've got to have you back. But thank you so much for today. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thanks very much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. We could talk about so many angles on this particular issue. It's so meaty, but it's so needed because women are really suffering and there's no need for that. So understanding for me is is always the key. Awareness is
0: always the first step. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me, Femi. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au and sign up for the six week challenge on how to reduce stress today. Enjoy the journey.